Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. P.T. Barnum was a very interesting man. They say he is the most well-known American out of all Americans, including the president. He founded a circus and sideshow, and uh, he was one of the most popular figures in the early life of America. And he purchased, way back in 1841, what was called Scudder's American Museum. And he added exhibits there, unusual exhibits, and uh, upgraded the building. But sadly, uh, even though it was one of the most popular places in New York, that circus, or that museum rather, with all its exhibits, burnt down five times. Talk about once would have been enough, five times. But P.D. Barnum was an unusual man. He wouldn't take no for an answer, found a way to win, and rebuilt the museum, and it became, they say, like a city of its own. And today, still there, you can go and see it. And uh, even though when he opened it for the, f- for the sixth time after it burned down, the money that he got in didn't pay for the rebuilding, he started lecturing. He, he had a gift for speaking, so he started lecturing. And uh, one of his most famous books, The Art of Getting Money, it's a title we wouldn't use today, but he spoke on it, and they said it was probably one of his great gifts, raising money, generating money as an entrepreneur, and he generated enough money to pay for that. One of the things that P.T. Barnum stands out, even though he was a very unusual man and he was the founder of circuses as we know them today, he was a man who could not give up when something went wrong. He had to come back and rebuild. And he's a fine example of what we need to do when life burns us. We've been burnt by COVID, haven't we? We've lost businesses. We've seen people die. We've seen family members die. But we have got to awaken and do whatever we need to do by God's grace and rebuild. Can you say amen? Some of you are not old enough to remember, but some of you may remember the movie, The Sound of Music. It was a true story about the Von Trapp family. They fled Austria in the 1930s. He, he, Baron von Trapp, was a very highly respected man, but he was a captain in the German Navy, and he didn't want to be, he didn't want to be a, uh, he was a submarine captain, actually, he didn't want to be in the Navy. So they fled to America and arrived there with $3.50 in their pockets. Talk about going to a foreign country and starting from scratch and rebuilding. They generated money, they worked hard, and then they decided to build a lodge, very famous lodge, like a hotel, and uh, they built it, but it was destroyed by a storm when it was nearly completed. Then they rebuilt it a second time, and it was destroyed by fire in, in uh, 1980. The entire place was burnt, a guest was burnt in the fire, and seven people were seriously injured. Most of us as Christians would have said, I don't think God is in it. They rebuilt it, And it cost them three years of rebuilding, $7 million, multiply that by 15, and they rebuilt it, and uh, today it still stands. It's a very well-known hotel. I think it's got 43 rooms. But the thing was here, they got a rug given to them after the hotel burned down, and inscribed in the rug was a Latin phrase, and the Latin phrase was this, nec aspera terent. And you know what that means? 
be not terrified by adversity. And they put that rug down when there was nothing left, and they focused on that. Be not terrified by adversity. And they rebuilt, and finally when the place was redone, they hung it up in a place of prominence so that they would never be put off by anything in their lives. They had to rebuild after leaving a country. They had to rebuild after fire. And they are also a great example to us as families of rebuilding our lives. You need to, like P.D. Barnum, rebuild your business. And we need to, like uh, Vivon Traps, rebuild our family and our spiritual family. And be not afraid of adversity. Can you say amen? Now, as we study the Bible, again, we see a lot of rebuilding. And the, the children of Israel came back after 70 years, if you like, in lockdown in Babylon. And the, the, the Lord prophesied through several of the prophets that the rebuilding would take place. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Haggai, Zechariah, all prophesied the rebuilding of the nation. And they spoke about the fact that God would do something wonderful again, even though things had been destroyed. Ezra rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah rebuilt the city of Jerusalem and its walls and gates. And uh, it's interesting that you read the whole book of Ezra about the temple, and then suddenly in Nehemiah you find him in chapter 8 reading a long passage of Scripture. You know why? Because the rebuilding of businesses and walls and gates is not as important as the rebuilding of the Word of God in the lives of people. It's like saying, you know what? Walls and gates are good, but there's something that will keep your life from being battened and invaded. That's the Word of God. And so wonderful prophecies... You can clap if you want to just clap away. Now, here's an interesting thing. We're going to look at Nehemiah today, and we've studied it many, many times. I've spoken on it many, many times in the years of ministry I have. It's not because I don't have anything else. It's because it's relevant right now, and I wanted to speak to your life right now where you find yourself. Uh, you at home as well. Pay attention today. Don't say, we've heard this before. So what can you say to me today, Lord? What bit of yeast can cause my life to rise? Hmm? What seed can I receive that will cause me to line my life up with the plumb line and to build straight? We don't build by eye or opinion. We build by God's word. And, uh, you know, when you think of Nehemiah rebuilding the city and rebuilding the wall and the gates, did you know your life is spoken of as a city? In fact, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says that we are actually like a city on a hill. So your life is a picture of a city. In fact, in Proverbs 18, it says this, a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Isn't that interesting? Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Our lives have walls and gates. Do you notice that? And then it says this in Proverbs 25, like a city whose walls are broken down, like Jerusalem, uh, broken through, sorry, is a person who lacks self-control. So when you lack self-control and anything comes into your life, you're like the walls of Jerusalem that have been broken down. You need rebuilding. And guess what happened during lockdown? We lost our self-control, our discipline. All of us did. Don't just look at my increased weight that I'm busy losing. You also stress ate donuts. I used to, we, we go to this garage at the top of the road. They sell, they sell Krispy Kremes. And I used to buy them for the gods. 
They appreciate biscuits. They appreciate Kentucky chicken. But when I buy Krispy Kreme, there is a smile. They come out the door and they wave, Pastor Andre. Because there's something about that refined carbohydrate that soothes the soul. And then we all live with regret afterwards. Isn't that the truth? No, there's been, there's been challenges. Why? Because we haven't been in the public eye. We've been away. We've sat in front of screens, and screens feed us. Digital Babylon. And we have to regain our walls and rebuild our gates because we're like a city, and we've got to watch out. You know, walls in the old days were, were the defenses of a city, prevented invaders from coming in, protected the people, and uh, without them, you're vulnerable, you're exposed, and you're weak. And so Nehemiah rebuilds the walls, and he rebuilds 10 gates, not 12. He rebuilds 10, and we find them mentioned. Now, just to notice, when your walls of your life and your gates are broken, notice what Nehemiah says. There's a spiritual parallel. Chapter 1 and verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province after lockdown are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. It's a disgrace when your life is not strong, when your gates are not in place, then you're vulnerable to the enemy, and you're not God's best. You're not the city of God, the church, that we're meant to be. And so, walls refer to self-control. Gates are for protecting us. It was where the, they controlled who came in and who went out. Transactions were, were, were conducted at gates. Decisions were made. Leaders sat at gates. And uh, they determined who came in and who went out. And do you know that we have four gates in our lives? You can write this down. You might not realize that you have four gates in your personal life. Number one is the eye gate. Stuff comes in through your eye gate. Sometimes you need to shut your eyes. But your ear gate, which is currently in operation as you hear God's word, your ear gate. But then there's what's called the heart gate. And then we have the mind gate. Are those gates in your life in order? Because that's where stuff comes in and goes out. And it either causes joy or it causes havoc in your life. Let's read here how Nehemiah started rebuilding. And uh, we'll pick up from Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 1. And uh, because of the content here, we have 10 gates to look at this morning. Nehemiah 3 and verse 1. Are you ready? Let's read together. Eliashib the high priest, I want you to notice that the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. After they're building the walls, they built the gate. They dedicated it. It's the only gate they dedicated and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred. Interesting number that. Which they dedicated as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section and Zacho son of Imri built next to them. Then the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaner. Interesting name. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, there are no baby names in here today, the son of Hakoz repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. Can you see people who build are noted? 
It's the same in a church. You say, no one knows me. Rivers is too big. Are you building? Because if you're building or rebuilding, you will be known. Hmm? He goes on to say here that uh, the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors because they lived in Santon. Oh, sorry. Verse 6, the Jeshana gate, which is actually the old gate, was repaired by Jehoiada, son of Parsia, and Meshulam, son of Basodia. And they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. And, and then after all they'd rebuilt, we come to chapter 7 and verse 3. It says, while the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. And if you realize that churches all have these gates. They all have symbolism. We all have these gates in the house of God and in the Christian life. And they not only must be rebuilt, but they need to be guarded. Because if you don't guard them, you'll be open to anything. You see, G.K. Chesterton said this. He says, when people start to uh, not believe in, in God anymore, they, he says, it's not that they don't believe, they believe in anything. So when you start to become too open, you're in danger. And they call us narrow-minded. Yep, well, we go through the narrow gate. So let's not forget some of Scripture, lest we try and justify that we're broad-minded. Yeah, we're broad-minded in understanding all of life, but we're narrow when it comes to the things of God. And Jesus says we need to take the narrow gate. So let's have a look at these 10 gates. And uh, Jerusalem, obviously, is a type of the church. You can read that in Hebrews 12. But let's look at the first gate. They started at the sheep gate. The sheep gate. And guess what? The high priest established it. Why did the high priest and the priest work on the sheep gate? Well, the sheep gate was where they brought in the sheep that they used to offer sacrifice for the sins of the people in the temple. So it was the most important gate, and the sheep gate speaks of Jesus, our sacrifice, Jesus who is our high priest. When you're rebuilding your life, the gate allowing him in must be the prime gate that you build in your life. Your life must be built on Jesus Christ, the high priest. And uh, they start repairing there, and they go right around the city, and they end there. Everything starts and ends with Jesus. He's the starting point of your life. And it says they built up to the Tower of Hananel, which is actually the number 100. Guess what? Jesus in Luke 15 says, I'm the one who leaves the 99 to go and get the one. Why? Because the Temple of Hananel speaks of mercy, and the 100 is the perfect number of the sheep in God's house. So we start with the sheep gate here, and guess what? It had no bars or bolts on it because it's never locked. Access to Jesus does not come through money, does not come through force. We don't have to storm the gates of heaven. They're open. There's some people who say, we pray and we storm the gates of heaven. It's like your kids coming to the front door and banging on the door. And you go and you open and you say, it was unlocked. <laughs> the gates of heaven, entrance to salvation is open to anybody. And the sheep gate is where they went through. And you'll notice here, they dedicated it. We need to make sure that Christ is central in our lives, that he's the shepherd of our souls, that he comes first, and that he constantly has access into our lives, and that the gate of our hearts is never locked. And um, interestingly, Jesus himself says, when preaching in John chapter 10, I am the gate. 
Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. Isn't that interesting? And find part of why? Because they knew that the sheep gate was never locked. It was always open so that people could come in. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says this, and I mentioned it already, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We need to use this gate. Jesus is the gate, and we need to guard this gate so that we recognize him in our lives. Number two, the second gate is this. Isn't this interesting? The fish gate. You know, the fish was a symbol of Christianity. But this gate was where the fishermen used to bring their produce, their catch, sell it or clean it. And so, quite a smelly place. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 1 and verse 17, I'm going to make you fishers of men. If we're going to rebuild our lives and our church, we need to start with Jesus as the entrance. That's how the church is built. It's built on him. But then secondly, we need to be fishers of men. We need to make sure that they get through the fish gate and enter into the church, and it's our job to fish for them. And it says the sons of Hassaner were the ones who built the fish gate. Do you know what Hassaner means? It means to prick. And guess what? When Saul, who became Paul, was on the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, why do you kick against the pricks of your conscience? Guess what? People, for people to be saved, their conscience needs to be pricked. They mustn't see someone attractive in the foyer and say, I think I'm coming to this church. The chicks are cool here. No, you join the church, and listen, we do use bait. You don't throw a hook in the ocean and say, I want to be honest with you. You do use a nice foyer and a nice coffee shop and an environment and use screens. They all help, but ultimately we need to be pricked. Conviction comes. And then you come through Jesus, the sheep gate, but you come through the fish gate. We need to be putting the fish gate in order. It's the second, after we've been saved, the next thing is to be fishers of men. And we need to be inviting people to church. Come with me. Yeah, but it's not safe. It is at our church. You want to know where it's safe? Forget about shopping centers. Come there. They wipe the seats down between every service. They spray. Everyone wears masks. The pastor's preaching, but he's far away from us. You're not likely to catch anything from him except the anointing. And they built up to the Tower of the Hundred or the Tower of Hananel. And uh, we need to have a heart for rebuilding the church on the foundation of Jesus, but we need to be reaching. Our mission statement says worshiping, reaching, connecting, and volunteering. Isn't that true? Those are the four pillars this church is built on, and we need to rebuild. Number three, the old gate, or the NIV says the Jeshunah gate, a different name for it. The old gate speaks of the age-old truths of the Word of God. And, uh, you know, in, in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, ask for the ancient paths, find rest for your souls. Isn't it true there's something about the old and the familiar that is comforting? And we mustn't let go of the age-old truths. As they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem, the sheep gate. Then they rebuilt the fish gate, getting people in. But then the age-old truth gate is so important. They wanted the word. That's why Ezra read the word of God. They rekindled their love for God's word. And the age-old truths, the old gate. 
And uh, we mustn't adjust the age-old truths to suit the culture. People want us to adjust everything today to suit the culture, its whims and its feelings. But we mustn't do that. And we mustn't keep looking for something new. Can I say that when you go online, and, you know, if you want to watch preachers online, I'm, I'm, I'm not intimidated by that. Well, you know, I, I look at some of them with their, all their charisma and their ripped jeans and their vibe and their whole, you know, and I was once 35 years old, and so I know how that goes. And, uh, and how you can be incredibly wooed and impressed by that square jaw. And, you know, most of them spend three hours in the gym because you don't develop muscles like that by preaching and visiting and pastoring sheep. No, you, you, you do it by picking up iron most of the time. And you get paid to do that, by the way. The church supports you so that you can look like a, and all the girls can go, he's so anointed. So, listen, watch all that and enjoy it. But don't be hoodwinked by gimmicks. A lot of gimmicks online spitting on people and smearing their heads. And then, you know, if, if, they, you know, if they were completely open, if there were no eyes and they opened, I'd, I'd fully endorse you. In fact, I'd like it. But I don't see that. All I see is spit. So don't be hooked by gimmicks. And something new captivates us. We mustn't be old-fashioned where we're stuck in the past. We need to move with the times, but we need to be people who are sensible. You remember Acts 17, Paul went to Greece. And uh, he was in Athens, and he was preaching. And it says here, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Isn't that what our world is doing? Now, we, can't, we, we need to be open. Oh, they talk about that now, and they're trying this now. But we need to, the age-old gate needs to be established. And don't be ashamed of that gate. It's very important. Many of you watch these channels and listen to the news and you take it as the gospel. Ted Turner, who's the founder of CNN, not sure if he still owns it, but he once arrogantly said in a speech, he said the Ten Commandments are out of date and he's offered to replace them with his own version, which he called the Ten Voluntary Initiatives. That's the way we're living today and we need to keep the old gate in place. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, it says this, it says, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. God gives you fresh revelation, but it's first established on the things that are true. And when they rebuilt the city, Ezra read the law, he read the Old Testament, and that gate was put in place. The sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate. We then get to the valley gate, number four. The fourth gate, the valley gate. And it's the low point, if you go to Jerusalem, it's the low point in the terrain. And Nehemiah started at this gate, when you read the beginning of the book, when he surveyed the city, he went to the lowest point, and he was at the valley gate. And the valley gate speaks of two things. It speaks of you having to stoop to go through it. it. speaks of humility. We need to regain a humility where we're teachable again, where God can speak to our hearts, and we're humble, and we're open, and we're not easily offended. How many people are offended? Online, they're offended. This conspiracy stuff of wearing masks. No, man, just wear the thing and be humble. We might not always agree, but... I'll wear a mask. I mean, that, these masks are annoying. I was singing just now and something went up my nose like one of the threads, like trying to worship the Lord. But I'll wear the mask. I'll just wear the mask because 
It's not about me. It's about someone else. And I don't have COVID right now, but who knows? And I could catch it. So let's just be humble. Let's never be Christians. Let's be authoritative and let's be strong and be confident in the Word of God. Let's always be humble, teachable. When they tell you to put it over your nose, I mean, I don't wear it here. And stop wearing these silly scarves, man, these silly pieces of stuff that you buy at the china shop that don't keep you safe. Wear the proper thing. Spend the money. Look after yourself and your own family and us. Has anybody got one of those on? Sorry if, you, sorry if you got one on. I know they're much easier to breathe through. But you need to look online because you'll see online the people, uh, there's a guy with a mask. He's in the cold. Have you seen that one? He's in, the, he's, in the, he's in the snow and you can see him breathing. And if you see what comes out through the sides of the mask, you won't use a scarf. Let me get back to my notes. Be humble. That's what the valley gate speaks of. But here, the valley gate speaks of something else. It speaks of the fact that suffering is part of the Christian's life. And if you, want to, if you want to pretend you're not suffering, you're going to struggle because life brings suffering to all of us. It brings suffering to the most noble of people. There are people who've served God all their lives, who've died of terrible diseases. And we need to take suffering. It's something that comes in through the gate, and uh, God uses it to test us and grow us, and it's a gate that exists in the life of the church. Don't pretend there's no such thing as suffering uh, you can shout at it, you can declare, you can spit, you can, you can try all sorts of stuff, but sometimes you need to go through that gate. And the Lord Jesus himself went through that gate. Number five. Number five. It's hard to clap with a phone in your hand, eh? isn't it, Bridget? You've got to put it down quickly. I know, because when I'm sitting in the pew, it's like, oh, do we have to clap? What I do with the thing? And then... Number five, the dung gate. Isn't it interesting that it's number five? Number f the number five is the number of man's weakness. Six is the number of man. Five is the number of man's weakness. The man who lay at the porticos, uh, he, he, that, that we read about the place of man's weakness. And here they build the dung gate, and that's where all the filth was carried out of the city. We didn't have time to read it this morning. We only read about three. But they rebuilt the dung gate, and uh, the garbage used to be carried out of that gate. It's right at the end of the city. The map that you're seeing on screen is, is sideways. It actually needs to be upright like that. And at the bottom is the dung gate. All the dirt went out into the Valley of Hinnom. And a fire burned continuously, burning up the rubbish. And how many of you know there's stuff that needs to be taken out the dung gate and not brought in the dung gate? It's a gate some of us have left open during COVID, during a time when no one was around to watch us or see us, and some people have allowed dung into their lives. It's time to rebuild that gate and lock it properly, because dung is supposed to go out through it, but not come in through it. And you need to restore the dung gate in your life. When last did you throw the garbage out? Or do you think everything you think, think about and say is okay? There are times when you recognize this is not good for me. This is negativity. I need to shut this gate, and I need to guard it, and I need to get the dung out of my life. That's why daily you need to pray a prayer of repentance. Lord, forgive me for this. I confess this as sin and dung. Take it from me. Cleanse me and help me to keep the gate shut. Because we don't only build the gates, we need to lock them. You don't lock the sheep gate because Jesus needs to get in and out into our lives and we need to go in and out and find pasture, but you need to lock the dung gate. Number six, the fountain gate. 
the fountain gate. Six is the number of man, but guess what? You need more than human strength to survive. And the fountain gate was very interesting because the fountain gate, uh, it's, it's uh, the one that they mentioned the most. They did the most repairs on the fountain gate, interestingly, and the attack against them when they rebuilt the city was concentrated there. And it's not surprising that the attack, the most attack has ever come, is against the Lord Jesus, who is the fountain of living water. And this gate, the fountain gate, is where they drew, drew water for the temple. And guess what? We need more than human endeavor. We need more than human wisdom. We need the Holy Spirit to flow in our lives. And uh, the Gihon Spring was near there, the Pool of Siloam, where the lame man was lying, and Jesus went there. And the Gihon Spring comes from underground into the city. I don't have time to show you pictures of it. When I traveled to Jerusalem, we, we went down to that gate and did some filming there. But the water came from underneath, and you need a well flowing in your life again. Is the fountain gate open in your life, and is there fresh water coming? Because you need to be speaking in tongues. You need to be worshiping. They did such a great job of leading us this morning, but we need to enter in ourselves. And when they sing at the end of a song and carry on, you need to go with it. You need to worship. You need to speak in tongues. You need to sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You need to come not at the last song so that uh, right that that got me warmed up for the word I'm ready now no you need to come and say fountain spring up and bring refreshing to my life you can't refresh yourself only from the word of God you need to refresh yourself from the fountain gate and they rebuilt this gate and we need to keep that gate in good repair and guess what at at that pool of siloam jesus put a man on his feet and you know what the holy spirit will do it'll put you on your feet and give you strength to live that you don't have supernatural strength we need to be drinking from the fountain gate can you say amen well, after the fountain gate comes the water gate. You say, well, isn't that the same? And it's not anything to do with Nixon. It is not the same as the fountain gate. The water gate speaks of the Word of God. And the Word of God is, is it's the seventh gate, the number of perfection. And interestingly enough, it's the only gate that didn't need repairing. The Word of God doesn't need fixing or altering. It is perfect in itself. We just need to make sure that that gate is open so that the word can come into our lives. And it talks about the washing with water of the word in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. When we drink the word of God, then something happens in our lives. We are washed and cleansed. The Holy Spirit as the fountain gate brings strength into our lives and, and power to live. The Bible says you, the, you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit in order to live your life and to be a witness. But the water of the Word washes us, and that's why they read the Word of God in Nehemiah chapter 8. Ezra read it at the water gate. Significant. And we need to get as much of the Word in as possible, and it doesn't need altering. It is perfect on its own. Nothing added, nothing taken away. Can you say amen? Let's preserve that gate. Number eight is the horse gate. Is this helping you today? The horse gate. It overlooks the Kidron Valley, and uh, horses went out through this gate into battle uh, to resist the attacks on the city, and Nehemiah told him to keep this gate locked in chapter 3 because you want, the you, want, you want the horses to go out and fight the enemy, but you don't want the enemy to chase your horse and come back in, so they had to keep it, and we have to fight 
the fight of faith. There is a gate in your life called the horse gate out of which you need to resist the enemy. You need to recognize the enemy in your life. You don't constantly have that gate open and go out fighting, but you need to keep it shut and say, I resist you in the name of Jesus. You will not come in either through the dung gate or through the horse gate, and it's a gate that we go confidently out of when we do battle. We declare the word of God over our circumstances and in our lives and the truth of God, but then we shut it once again. You know, I read something fascinating talking about the enemy and how the enemy encroaches in our lives. I mean, you notice it's a very slow process. You don't, you don't, you don't go, I, I know what you're up to. Go out on a date with a guy or a girl, and you know, gradually as the evening goes along, you're kind of thinking, are we going to bed, aren't we? Should I, shouldn't I? It's kind of like a slow process. And all the young adults just look straight ahead as though they were innocent. It's not like you go, is she trying to sleep with me? After five minutes at a date, uh, can I just ask you, are you, are you trying to, uh, uh, just, was one, just, just wanting to check? It's a slow thing. And you know what they say? You know what boundary stones are? Have you seen boundary stones? They're different shapes and sizes. Used to be stones in the old days. Today they're more sophisticated. But boundary stones mark where your land is. And guess what they say? Boundary law is interesting. If someone moves a boundary stone and claims some of your territory and you don't notice, after 10 years that territory becomes theirs. So when the enemy starts to claim territory during COVID and the boundary stones of your values and of the word of God and of gender and of all sorts of sexuality and stuff, they all get moved and of evolution. Guess what? The longer you leave it and don't recognize it and the longer the horse gate is open, the more the enemy will lay claim to that territory and you can't even legally get it back. We need to keep the horse gate shut. Number nine, the east gate. It was east of the temple, and it was known as the Golden Gate, and it uh, comes from the name the Sun, the Sun in verse uh, 29, but uh, it's sealed now. If you see that gate, it's sealed there. You can't come in and go out, but guess what? That's the gate, by the way, that Jesus rode into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. Isn't that interesting? He rode in through that golden gate, if you like, or that east gate, and it's the one that was opened first thing in the morning as the sun rose and shone through there, and uh, they say that when Jesus comes again, that gate will be open, and that gate speaks of his second coming. He rode through there on a donkey once, but when he comes again, he's going to ride on a horse, and he's going to be a triumphal victor. And that gate speaks of the gate of our hearts that needs to be open to the second coming. Did you notice we sang about Jesus coming again this morning? Very important thing that we don't forget about Jesus coming again. Because when you think about Jesus coming again, listen to me carefully today, you'll notice there's a timing of God, and he is waiting until he returns. So here's the thing. God created the planet. It didn't evolve. It wasn't 150 million years old and dust settled. No, he made it. He created man. There's a time frame. Man fell. Man was redeemed. The prophets spoke about it. There was a temporary sacrificial system. Then Christ came the first time. He came to redeem mankind and to build his church. And then he would come again and there would be a new heavens and a new earth. So we're not preoccupied with 
global warming and serving the religion of the world that is obsessed with paranoia. No, we know. No matter what happens, no matter how hard it gets, he'll come in time. And the wind of his garments will cool the air and he will redeem us. In fact, if you want to know what's going to happen to the planet, it's going to get hotter because it says so in 1 Peter. Uh, 2 Peter, sorry. It says that it's, uh, the, the elements will melt with fervent heat. So if there's going to be global warming, God knows about it. And we don't get obsessed with it. We recognize that this is not our permanent home. We're good stewards right now. We're careful, but we're not obsessed with it. We're not fearful for our future. Our future is hid with Christ in God. And the second coming, that gate, needs to be open in your life. It's currently closed in Jerusalem, but they rebuilt it, and when he comes again, he's going to come back, and he's going to receive for himself the spiritual heavenly Jerusalem, the church. Number 10, the last gate. You probably didn't think I'd get there. Isn't that amazing? The whole book of Haggai last week, 10 gates today, we're living in, in revival. Number 10, it's called the inspection gate. Or in the English Standard Version, the master gate. Interesting term, inspection or master. It's where the people were gathered, listen to this, for inspection, but also for registry and census. So you came to that gate, listen, so that you could be counted in as a member of the citizens of Jerusalem. You got there and you mentioned your name and they ticked you off and you were part of the city. In fact, there weren't many people living in the city when it was rebuilt, only a few thousand. But this gate is a gate which speaks to me of being counted on. Is this gate in order in your life? Can you be counted on when asked? Are you coming to church? Are you volunteering? When there's an inspection, you're in the registry. You're in the census. So appreciate the two of you this morning over here, unnoticed often, handing me the microphone, carrying water, giving tissues, making sure that we're sanitized with a spray bottle. I'm sure you've got other things to do today. I'm sure you're busy. You've got a husband. Like the woman at the well, you've got a husband. Cozzy. Is Cozzy here today? Is he? He's in this service? So you come as a family, not sitting together, and you're willing to pick up a microphone and use a spray bottle. And you've been on last week, was it, or the week before, that you were serving. And you've got better things to do. Look at you, young lady. You could be jawling today, but serving the house of God. Counted on. And the camera guy. The camera guy. Hello. Counted on. Hmm? Are you Jiko? How's your mother? She's recovering. We've been praying for her. At his post. He's on river staff, but he's volunteering. He doesn't say, I work for the church, give me some time off. He's serving. And many of you today are here serving cameras, visuals, people carrying a house, parking outside. Even though there's a chance of rain, it's cold. They could be doing better things. They say, this gate, this inspection gate, if you check on me, I can be counted on. In every first service, I can count on someone sitting in this vicinity by the name of G.C. Lukella. I can hardly recognize you. You've got hair. Your voice. I know it. I know it. Amen. Yes. 
And then when I look at you, you're leaning forward sometimes because he's engaged. He knows I need support. He can be counted on. Connect group leader, someone who's a young adult, someone f- who faces the temptations of the business world, faces the temptations as a young man. But what? He's in the house of God. That gate is in order. I tell you what, if we're going to rebuild the church, we need to rebuild the walls, the defenses of the house of God, put those gates in place, and we need to be people that guard those gates and keep the house of God strong. And if you realize it, you are a gatekeeper. As I come to a close today, I've mentioned this so many times in my preaching over the years, but it's a great illustration. The Great Wall of China, 6,400 kilometers long. And it was built during the Ming Dynasty, 1368 to 1644. And uh, this wall was worked on by prisoners and by people who were slaves. 10,000 watchtowers and beacon towers are located on it in order to keep watch. But they say that one million people died building that wall. And it defended China. And for many, many years, it was safe. But then they put a general in charge of the wall, Wu Sangu, and he was the general charged with looking after the, uh, the, 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 the land of China to keep the Manchurians out and the Mongolians out, and uh, he, he, uh, he, he had a whole uh, border guard under him, uh, 1644. But here's the problem with Wu Wu. He was angry with the emperor. And while he was a border guard, meant to guard the gates and guard the wall, his offense, he got uptight with something the emperor did or didn't do, what the emperor said or didn't say. And guess what he did? He opened up the gate one night, and 80,000 Mongolians and Manchurians came through the gate. They marched up to the emperor's palace, and they invaded the emperor's palace And there started the Qing dynasty, a whole new start and the end of a very strong dynasty. We need to be gatekeepers. We mustn't get offended at the pastor or at the word of God or at what God requires. We need to put the walls in place, defend the house of God, defend our lives, make sure that the sheep gate is open, that Jesus can come in and out, make sure we're reaching the lost through the fish gate, Make sure the fountain gate is flowing and the Holy Spirit is in our life. Make sure the old gate and the old truths are in place and that we're not looking for something new, that the water gate is in place and that the water of the word is washing us. Make sure that the dung gate is open and we're getting rid of the dung and then locking it so the dung doesn't come back in. And if we build the walls spiritually and make sure that the gates are in place, we will be a strong house and a strong life. And God will make sure that we march forward. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.